Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. I ask you today, uh, whose approval matters the most to you in your life? Maybe for some of you it's your spouse, or maybe a parent, or teacher, boss, maybe girlfriend or boyfriend, or somebody else. Uh, for many of us, maybe it depends on the uh, setting and, and the time frame um, for which we're asked that question. Um, a lot of you are aware that uh, my son Samuel and his wife Sarah moved to Texas about a week ago. Sarah had had enough, and she just had to get out of here after that last blizzard. No, just kidding. Um, Samuel graduated from NDSU with a computer engineering degree, and, and uh, I believe it's tomorrow that he starts his new job down there with uh, Raytheon Company in McKinney, Texas, which is right next door to Frisco, where the uh, bison won yesterday again. Um, <clears throat> and with the beginning of uh, a new job comes some concerns uh, on who you're answerable to, and, and even what to wear and so on, uh, as those first impressions matter, and the approval of others does matter. <clears throat> I think of another example where that's the case, and, and uh, later this month, uh, our AFLC schools board that I have the privilege of serving on will be meeting down in Minneapolis, and we'll be interviewing nine uh, seminarians that are currently out on internship. And, and after their interview with the school board, then they also get to meet with the colloquy committee, and then the coordinating committee uh, in, in steps to earn approval to be eligible for pastoral calls in the AFLC. Um, and Pastor Ryan, I, I bet you, as I recall vividly when you went through that, what was it, four years ago for you? Five? Thirty for me, I guess, already? <laughs> yeah. This year, Pastor Ryan uh, has the privilege of serving on that colloquy committee. That's a group of five pastors that uh, go through interviewing with each of them as well. And so he gets to be part of the scrutinizing process. Um, and again, approval of others matters. And for all of us, this is true. Uh, if we're employees, the approval of our boss matters. If we're self-employed farmers or truck drivers, then the approval of the banker matters, right? And if we're students, the approval of the teacher matters, and for all of us, approval of our peers matters. And even presidents and um, congressmen and women are concerned about getting the approval of others, and that's why we have this constant spin going on in the media uh, to paint various issues in a better light. The approval of other people matters in our lives more than we care to admit. And, and even for the Apostle Paul, that was true. He wasn't exempt from that concern. And people's impression of him, you see, would either enhance or hinder his ministry. And, and that's probably true for any of us in any kind of ministry. And so the Apostle Paul really desired the approval of the congregation there at Corinth. You see, he, he used to have it, and he'd kind of lost it for a time as a result of some of the Judaizers who had come and, and tried to assume leadership of that congregation at Corinth and had been spreading some lies about him. And it's partly due to that, then, that we see here Paul defending himself in this letter of 2 Corinthians. And we pick it up now in chapter 10 today, 
And you see, he had a concern also for that congregation and the danger that was there of being led astray doctrinally um, if they were to follow these Judaizers. So I invite you to look with me at chapter 10. And we see here Paul then not just addressing the congregation in general, but rather specifically dealing with some accusations that have been made against him. I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as we read. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent, I... I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ, let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be put to shame. For I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you by my letters, For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when absent, such such persons we are also indeed when present. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when they measure themselves by themselves and they compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as we did not reach to you, for we, are, we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. Not boasting beyond our measure, that is in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere enlarged even more by you. And so to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, and to not boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. For it's not he who commends himself that's approved, but he whom the Lord commends. Lord, we ask that as we meditate on these verses, this uh, response of the Apostle Paul to some accusations and concerns that have been raised, Lord, that we would see you at work in his life and and lord that we'd learn principles from even how he responded here speak to each of our hearts about our own attitudes lord as well we pray in jesus name amen please be seated <clears throat> we all seek the approval of someone and we desire to be able to boast about something in our lives and i don't know anybody for whom that's not true We all desire to be noticed by someone. And even those that are introverts and hate to be up front find that it matters to them what people think, and they long to be recognized for something. Little children are are quite uninhibited about this at times, and they say things like, look at me, see what I'm doing, right? Uh, Sometimes it's kind of hilarious, uh, things they say to get your attention. Uh, 
when our, our grandkids were home with us uh, over Christmas, uh, my two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter compared herself to her four-and-a-half-year-old sister, and she was telling anybody that would listen, I eat faster than sissy. <laughs> and you know, when we get older, hopefully we get a little more subtle about it, but the desire to be noticed and to get one's approval is still there, and, and that tendency to boast, too. And, and it's some, this is a, somewhat of a dangerous thing in that sometimes the approval of other people can matter too much. And it causes us to do even some things that aren't good and right. Secondly, those that seek the approval of other people tend to seek approval based on outward things. And that was certainly true for these Judaizers who came into the country, and, or into the congregation there at Corinth. Uh, they had a strong background in the Jewish faith, and they came with letters of commendation uh, that made their learning impressive to the other Corinthian Christians there. They were orators, impressive speakers. And and that wowed this Corinthian congregation. And you know, today too, it it is outward things that often wow people. Outward things can impress us. Uh, And and so when we seek the approval of others, uh, that's often what we focus on, isn't it? We, We don't tell them what wretched sinners we are on the inside. That wouldn't impress them. Instead, we post the best pictures we got, right, on, on, online, and, and we mention the good things we've done and so on. That's what impresses. Well, Paul reminds the congregation here at Corinth in verse 7 that, that they're looking at things as they are outwardly when they're impressed with these Judaizers, and he's suggesting to them and to us that looking at outward things can cause us to miss some more important things, things of the heart. Well, besides... Seeking the approval of others, you see, we also desire to meet our own approval. And that's where there's another danger that lies. You see, those that seek the approval of self may deceive themselves. And and that's what Paul's pointing out here regarding the Judaizers in verse 12 here. He's saying that they were commending themselves. uh, And he goes on to say, but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves... They are without understanding. That is, they don't grasp how this works. Commending ourselves is really arrogant. It's self-righteous, and, and others should see it as that. And so I want to ask you today, do you and I see ourselves as we are? And when we continually talk ourselves up or try to make ourselves look good, do you recognize what we're saying here? We're without understanding. If we talk long enough or act long enough, we can make ourselves believe that that we're really something pretty great when that's far from the truth. And and, uh, Prophet Jeremiah reminds us of that where he says this. He says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can know it? And so there's this very real possibility that we deceive ourselves in our self-assessment. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, we will see our own weaknesses and our own limitations. And, and, and Paul saw that in his own life. He saw his own weaknesses, his inabilities, and also his sinfulness. And concerning his abilities, he says here in verse 10, for they say, about me, he's saying, no, um, his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. And if you look on in chapter 11, he kind of responds to this there. In verse 6, he says, but even if, I am unskilled in speech, yet I'm not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way, we've made this evident in all things. 
This is interesting stuff to me. It, it seems to me that Paul is saying that, that he knows he is in the most advanced order around. And he didn't argue about that. Um, he just says, well, even if that's so, listen to the content of my teaching. Check it out with Scripture. See if what I'm saying is off or if it's accurate, no matter how impressive or unimpressively I say it. And you know, in today's high-tech culture, flashy presentation draws people. And there's a danger that even in church we can end up being wowed by the outward things and more concerned about those things than we are with the content of the message that's taught. How about you and I as we seek approval? Are, are we honest with ourselves? As we assess ourselves, do we see our own weaknesses and our own limitations? When I look in the mirror these days, what I see is a almost 60-year-old balding guy. And I know that it isn't my youthful good looks that's impressing any of you. And it probably isn't my charismatic presentation up front either. But you know, I also know some other things. I know some of my other limitations, my weaknesses, my sins. Maybe some of you know some of them too, some of you don't. But if we take a good look at ourselves, we can see some of those things. Our weaknesses, our limitations, and our sins. And we need to recognize those things, and especially we need to recognize our sinfulness. Every one of us. If we're ever to come to grips with what it takes to have the approval of Almighty God, because you see, no one's good looks is going to impress him. Remember who made us? No amount of outward talent is going to impress him. Who gave us all those talents? He sees right past all of that and he looks into our hearts. And Paul knew that and he called himself, another place here, he called himself the chief of sinners. He didn't try to claim he sinned less than some others. How about you and I? Do we, do we recognize our own sins and then humble ourselves before God and before others? It's because of our sins, yours and mine, that Jesus went to the cross. And we might as well be honest with the Lord each day about our known sins and ask him to forgive us and ask him to change our hearts. I think what James says in chapter 4, he says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And he goes on to say, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. What's it to humble yourself? What does it mean to be humble? You know, some people used to think it, it's, it's sitting way in the back of the church uh, because they don't want to assume that they're great and sit way up front here. Maybe that's why none of the front pews are ever full. Um, and, and being Scandinavian, I kind of understand that, and I prefer those back pews myself when I'm here. Um, but if any of you are thinking that way, I encourage you to move up if, if it would help you hear better or something. Don't worry about being humble in that way. Humility isn't being a quiet person that, that hides in the corner. Some quiet corner seekers uh, have just as much pride as the ones that like to be up in the spotlight. Humility really is other-centeredness rather than self-centeredness. And it's also a willingness then to admit that we don't know everything and we really don't know that much at all and we're still a learner. It's a willingness to listen to the ideas of others and not assume that we are the enlightened one in the room each day. We've talked about seeking the approval of others by focusing on the outward things. We've talked about seeking approval of ourselves and how we may tend at times to fool ourselves. You know, ultimately, it's the Lord's approval. That's what matters. And it's only in Him that we can really boast. And if we're in some position of authority, 
Who gave that authority to us? Ultimately, it's the Lord. And that's the conclusion that Paul comes to here. He, he was less concerned with what the Judaizers thought of him or even what the other Corinthians thought of him. He was more concerned with God's approval. He knew that as a forgiven sinner trusting in Christ, he had God's approval. He stood justified before God in Christ. And he talks about here in verse 7 about being in Christ. He knew Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. And he knew it was him that called him then into service. And he goes on to say in verse 8 here, For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up, not for destroying you, I will not be put to shame. Paul was pointing out here his calling. His calling to be an apostle. He didn't appoint himself to that. It wasn't his plan to be that. God appointed him to that. And, and the resurrected Jesus Christ met him in a powerful way on the road to Damascus and changed him completely. And after that, Paul just couldn't shake that calling. And, and, and it shaped really the rest of his life. Verse 13, here he says, but, but we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us to reach even as far as you. And, and Paul's referring here to how God called him to go on these missionary journeys. And, and God brought him to this place of Corinth. And, and God opened the door for him there to share his word. How about you and I as we think of our spheres Paul talks about spheres here. Do we recognize our stations in life as, as the vocations that God has placed each of us in? Our roles as fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, students and employees, neighbors and, and members of our communities. And also here, as brothers and sisters of Christ, here to serve each other and to build each other up as believers. God's called us to that. And we might sometimes feel inadequate for some of those roles that we have, but that's okay because then it causes us to look to God for help. I shared yesterday we had men's breakfast at, at uh, the frying pan, and, and uh, I, I told, as we were talking about some of the texts we've been looking at together, um, how it was when I first sensed the Lord calling me to pastoral ministry, I, I really argued with God about that call. I was keenly aware that there were plenty of other people who, by nature, would be far more impressive speakers and in other respects, too, and I told God that. And I even pointed out to him some others that I thought um, were more cut out for the job than I was. And then he showed me in Scripture these examples of Moses and Jeremiah and Gideon. All of them claimed that they didn't know how to talk. And God asked each of them, well, who made your mouth? And he told him he'd give them the words to speak. And all they needed was to be willing. And then they stepped up to serve how God called them to. And I finally had to say, Lord, if you'll equip me, I guess I'm, I'm willing to serve as a pastor. And I think we learn from Paul here as he deals with these puffed-up Judaizers that if we boast in anything in our lives, it's not to be in ourselves, but it's to be in the Lord and what he's done for us and what he does in us and through us. The emphasis needs to be on him and his power and not our own. There's two other things I want to touch on here today in this text. And, and one of them I see in verse 1 here, that the Lord teaches us a, a meekness and a gentleness in, in dealing with others. Why was Paul meek and gentle generally when he was face-to-face -face with these folks at Corinth? 
So much so that they, they say they were unimpressed with his speaking ability? Well, it's because of the example, he says here, of Jesus Christ. The example Christ gave us. And if I think of what it tells us in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he goes on to say, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? For I am gentle and humble in heart. That's the example of Jesus. That's the attitude that Jesus calls us to as we deal with others in the church and in our homes. An attitude of gentleness and humility that shows a concern for others over ourselves. And as long as the issues that we're dealing with are just matters of opinion, then we need to be flexible and willing to hear each other out and compromise and serve each other. Gentle and humble toward each other. And that includes in all kinds of secondary issues in the church, like what color the carpet or the wall should be, or where we should put the TV screen on the wall, or, or, or what time our services should be, or, or other ministry activities should take place, or who should do them, or how much money we should be spending on them, or things like that. Those are matters of opinion and not of doctrine. However, we're to realize that there are also some absolutes of Scripture that are non-negotiable. And in those things... We see Paul dealt very firmly with the Corinthians, hoping to straighten out those that were living openly immoral lifestyles, hoping to show the error of the teachings of the Judaizers as he wrote these letters so he wouldn't have to deal with them so boldly and bluntly when he saw them face to face. Yes, Jesus teaches us meekness and a gentleness in dealing with other people. But it's interesting also what we see here, and that is that he gives us weapons for spiritual battle. Look with me at verse 2 there. He says this, And I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Now think about what does it take to destroy a fortress? Something powerful, like dynamite. And Paul is saying here then, there are spiritual forces at work in this world that are like fortresses. And though we live in the flesh, in these weak human vessels, we're not limited by those things as we fight the spiritual battles around us. We have at our disposal weapons that are divinely powerful, Prayer and the Word of God, they are the tools of God to straighten out wrong thinking and to straighten out people that would manipulate or use us. And Paul says here in verse 5, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we're ready to punish all disobedience. What a great contrast that sounds like to compare to this gentleness and meekness I was talking about. But you see, both have a place for the Christian. And oh, may the Lord then help us that we would be gentle and kind to all, and yet at the same time bold in the proclamation of the truth, bold in proclaiming the law which reveals our sinfulness and our need for a Savior, and then bold in proclaiming the gospel of forgiveness of sin to anyone who repent of their sin and turn to Jesus. Whose approval matters most in your life? 
hopefully even more than the approval of others or that of our own selves. What matters to each of us is the approval of the Lord in what we do and what we believe. And if there's any area where we're deceiving ourselves, may, may the Lord convict us, even this day. If there's any area where we're unnecessarily pushing ourselves, pushing our weight around, may the Lord convict us of that too. And may he give us a boldness to stand for the truth and help us that we wouldn't be out for our own personal glory at all. I think the last verses of this chapter are great theme verses as we look into the new year. Verse 17 and 18, But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. For it's not he who commends himself that's approved, but he whom the Lord commends. And as we look ahead at the next year, let's make it a point to notice what God is doing, what he is doing in the world around us, what he has done for us personally, and then let's be bold to speak about those things to others. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word, for for the Apostle Paul as he dealt with challenges in, in the ministry you called him to. Thank you, Lord, that you empowered him to be bold when needed, to address sin and point out self-centeredness and uh, arrogance. And you also, you humbled him greatly himself and turned his life around. And he, he recognized that whatever he accomplished after that was not in his own power, but it was you at work in and through him. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help each of us as we look at ourselves, Lord, may we recognize our weaknesses, our sin. May we live in daily repentance and faith. And help us, Lord, in our relationships with each other, in our homes, and at church, and wherever we are, that we would love others and, and have a, a gentle and humble spirit. And yet, at the same time, Lord, that you would empower us to be bold to, to share your word and the message here that everyone needs to hear. Uh, empower us to do that together, Lord, in a way that makes a difference in this community, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.